welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rain. The living dead. The cursed city. Where the gates of hell it is, it gives the dead the appearance of life. Oh, it is not the appearance of life, it is life. This is not magic, as you say. I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. <laughs> Get me back my head! Get me back my head! Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Alright everybody, welcome back to the Retro Blood as we finish up our month of Hellfire here on the Retro Blood. Up next, we check in to a house, a creepy one. It's by a cemetery. We got a couple ghosts hanging around. We got a crazy doctor. We got Bob. We got everything here in this house because we are talking all about the house by the cemetery. Jay Austin, James Klein, what's happening, man? How do you feel about wrapping up this Hellfire month, Austin? Hey, man, um, it's been cool. It's been a, it's been a good month. We've, we've done some good movies. We did five good, well, five pretty good movies this month. Uh, this week, this this week's movies a little bit not as good as the other ones, but. Um, you know, it's uh, we've had a good month. We've had some good shows. We've had watched some good movies. Trying to survive this uh, this heat wave, this uh, gate of hell that we are all apparently in right now. Yes. But uh, yeah, it's been a good so far. Yeah, I said it's been 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 a very fun month. You know, we got to do the Gates of Hell trilogy. We're finishing up mm-hmm. with the House by the Cemetery, which is a very uh, I would say you know has a pretty good uh, easy to follow line plot. That comes to this, you know, a couple cool scenes, a couple cool death scenes like the the Italian horror films do. But we'll be mm-hmm. talking all about that today here on the episode. Uh, but let's jump right into some of the history stuff because I have a lot to say about this movie when we when we get into it. All right. So the history history was a little light during this particular time that this movie got released in the United States. Like like we said before, with a lot of the Italian films, they would get released earlier in Italy and then eventually it, like, it seemed like about three years after they got released in Italy they would come out over here to the states yeah so this one got released March 1st 1984 so we are in the uh, the 84 era of March and you know during my research we knew this was going to happen every once in a while there's not a lot of like wrestling shows that i could find around this date like i found a couple events that you know that were close enough but not actually anything around this date but there was something i found that was very interesting okay. um and then we, we we talked about this before that we might be doing around some of these retro blood episodes not necessarily talking about a whole wrestling card but probably talking about a particular wrestler themselves so i thought we would do that for this episode because on March 3rd, 1984, a, a special wrestler actually made his debut in professional wrestling. Wrestling for the first time, first time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that was one 
Jushin Thunder Liger. Oh, wow. Okay. So two days after this movie got released in the United States, Jushin, Liger, Jushin Thunder Liger in Japan made his debut. And he made his debut not as Jushin Thunder Liger, but has his real name. That was going to be my question. So was he, he wasn't Liger yet, right? No. He didn't, okay. do, he didn't do the Liger gimmick until like 1989. But yeah, I, yeah, I, by doing some of my research, apparently he had a couple different names. So he hmm. debuted as his real name. Hope I don't mess this up. It was like like I do everybody's <laughs> name. This is gonna is be it, great. Uh, <laughs> do you know his real name or no? Uh, I'm not off the top of my head. Right. I'd have to look it up. So his name is uh, Kenecha Yamada. Okay, not bad. Yeah. K- uh, yeah, I think I'm saying that right for the first name. I know his last name is Yamada, but yeah. it's like uh, Kenecha Yamada. So that sounds right. Uh, apparently, some of the ring names he went under are CTU Ranger Yellow, <laughs> Fuji Yamada. Sorry. <laughs> well, it sounds like a Power Ranger name. CTU Ranger Yellow. Yeah, I guarantee it's based on the Japanese version. Because, you know, Power Rangers, like, there's a Japanese version. Of, well, you know that. Obviously, everybody knows that. But the, yes. I guarantee you that, that he looked like uh, one of those Japanese Power Ranger guys. He had to. We have Fuji Yamada, Jusen Liger, Jusen Thunder Liger, his real name, Keshin Liger, and just Liger. So a couple, a couple of different names. Yeah. So he debuted, like I said, in New Japan Pro Wrestling in 1984, and he wasn't given given the gimmick of Jusen Liger until 1989, and it was yeah. based on the anime series of the same name. Yeah, have you ever seen that? I actually never seen that anime series before. Uh, is it it was it is it, yeah. I mean, it's fine. I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of like 1970s and 1980s like anime shows. Um, so I, I I enjoyed it for what it was. But um, they were on YouTube for a while. I don't know if they still are. If if we might maybe we can find a clip and post the uh and the Jushin Thunder Liger anime. But but yeah, he was based on uh an anime character and then. I think people just kind of forgot over time about the anime, and now it's, he Jushin Thunder Liger is just a wrestler. Yes. So he became Jushin Thunder Liger the following year um, after he got the, the Jushin Liger gimmick. And he mm-hmm. saw success, obviously, in the, the New Japan Junior Heavyweight Division, where he won the junior title a record 11 times and set the record for the longest reign during his second reign, which lasted from for, for 100 and... Oh, 628 days. Mm-hmm. So Liger was the first three-time Best of the Super Juniors tournament winner. Um, and he's a former <clears throat> IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion. Yep. <clears throat> and, won, and won the Super J Cup twice in 95 yep. and 2000. And was inducted into the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame in 1999. Luther... Luther... <laughs> Liger also wrestled the opening match for the first January for Tokyo Dome show in 1992 as well as well as the first match on WCW Monday Nitro. Oh wow, I didn't know that. He yes. was in the first Nitro match. Yes, he was in the first Nitro match. I think he fought Brian Pillman on that episode of Nitro. Oh, yes, he did. That was great. Yeah, yeah those are two great wrestlers. That was a great match. But um but yeah, and that's just his Japanese like credentials like you know he he was pretty successful in the united states for a japanese wrestler yes so apparently like um, some of his younger years he was actually a, a pretty good amateur wrestler during his high school years 
Um, he lost to uh, Kawada in the finals of the national championship tournament after graduating high school in early 1980s. He would apply to New Japan's wrestling New Japan Dojo in the hopes of becoming a professional wrestler. Um, apparently, he was not accepted because he did not meet the height requirements the dojo had at the time. But Yamato determined not to give up on his dream of becoming a professional wrestler, left for Mexico and began his training there. By his own account, he was almost starving while studying in Mexico due to this New Japan officials who were, vi- who were visiting took pity on him and asked him to come back to Japan to train in their dojo. In the New Japan dojo, he trained alongside the likes of Keji Moto, mm-hmm. uh, Chono, Masahiro Chono, and uh, Hishimori. So, while mm. continuing his training, he had his debut match in March 1984 at the age of 19, wrestling against um, Shingo Kwachi. I about to screw up all these fucking names. <laughs> he began stand, uh, studying various martial arts styles because he wanted to add something new and different to his wrestling style, which, which is how he learned his, um, his famous kick. Mm-hmm. The Asbury kick. Yes. So, well, that's... Uh... I was going to say, that's a crazy class if yeah. all those guys went in and out at the same time. Like, yeah, well, you had Chono, Keiji Mudo, who was one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, in my opinion. Liger, at least in that class, all came out together. Almost like when um, Nakamura, um, Tanahashi, and somebody else were all in a class together in New Japan years later. Yes. But yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy class. But yeah. Uh, Liger, it's weird though to think that he didn't. Well, I mean, it's not weird really if you if you've ever seen him, but uh, that he didn't meet the high requirements. But he's he's shorter. I think he's a little bit shorter than I am. Um, okay, have you seen that picture of me and Liger together? No, I, I didn't know. From when I, I met him, no. Yeah, like I met Liger. I don't know, right before the pandemic. Um, he came. Uh, he came to to. He came here and then did a meet and greet, and I was not going to miss that because it was like his. His, like the year he retired, it was his final year. So uh, I did the meet and greet, and I met. It's the only meet and greet I've ever done in wrestling. Um, but yeah, I did the Liger meet and greet, and he was really cool. It was really nice. Um, but yeah, he he was even even wearing his mask. He was basically about the same height I am, and I'm about five nine. So yeah, he was he's pretty short for a wrestler. Yeah, well, you know that's why. I mean, he, obviously he would. You know, just because he was short as a wrestler, he was also really good at being a good junior wrestler. So obviously, it was like he was probably one of the biggest guys or one of the biggest names to help out the cruiserweight division in a lot of different companies. Yes. So not only in New Japan, but he also did it in the states over here with WCW. I mean, I remember yeah. that's how I first was introduced to Juice and Thunder Liger, which was in WCW. And I think the craziest thing about him being in WCW. Um, <clears throat> so I think the first ever, um, so I remember Liger, uh, you know, wrestling in WCW and, you know, during their cruiserweight division and, um, was he the one that had all the belts too? Or no, that was, uh, Ultimo no, that was Ultimo Dragon. Dragon. Yes. Yeah. But I remember Liger, you know, coming in, in and out cause he used to rest, you know, obviously he wrestled a lot for W for new Japan, but he also came in as the WCW like, yeah couple of times here and there and apparently like i was watching wcw back then as a kid and i remember mm-hmm. seeing jason liger and i think he was wrestling ray mysterio i can't remember who he was actually wrestling but I, I apparently this is when he just came back 
to wrestle because he had some sort of like brain cancer or something like that. Mm. Wow. Or okay. he had some sort of like, um, like some sort of injury that he had. Um, I think it was some sort of like big, it was like some sort of big, like, uh, uh, either like tumor or something that was going on in his, in, in, in his uh, brain area. And this is when he finally like got cured of it and he was cured for a little bit and he came back to wrestle. And I just thought that was like pretty amazing, you know, going through that big stuff and then coming back to wrestle and obviously wrestling a bunch of after that. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like stuff like that, that'll kind of, you know, can completely destroy a athlete's career, but you know, you, I guess sometimes you can come back from it and he did luckily for us. Yes. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously he's been one of the biggest wrestlers, um, you know, of all time. And especially, you know, during yes. his eighties, he was just kind of coming up, um, <clears throat> getting his foot in the door and everything, but it's really cool to see like, okay, you can, you can, uh, you can go out and watch House by the Cemetery, and then two days later, we could see this guy break into the wrestling business. It's going to become one of the biggest wrestlers of all time. So, definitely pretty fun there. So, so what do you got for us for the metal? What are we be listening to around this particular time? <clears throat> all right, let me clear my throat. So, um, James, how? Um, I mean, you're familiar with the concept of doom, doom metal, right? Yes. I mean, you know what doom metal is, yeah. Are you familiar with the band Trouble? Um, not, not so much now. Okay, yeah, they're a, they're a band that is not widely known, and I only discovered Trouble. I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. Um, and I, it's one of those things where you, it's it, it it's like one of those things where you can't believe. Like once you hear it, you're like, I can't believe I've never heard this before. Um, but Trouble was a band that formed in, I mean, technically in the late 70s, but I don't think they really did much as far as releasing albums until like in the early 80s. Um, but they were they were considered one of the first doom metal bands, um, at least first American doom metal bands. You know the Black Sabbath inspired type bands. Um, they were signed to Metal Blade. Eric Wagner was their singer, who's an just incredible, incredible singer. Um, but um, he, they they weren't a religious band, but Metal Blade kind of promoted them as a white metal band, which does is not what it sounds like it would be if somebody were in a white metal band today. <laughs> but they were like. So, like, you know, you had the Venom bands that were calling themselves black metal, like the first black metal bands. But, like, and, and, but, um, Trouble was considered like the opposite of that. They were like a white metal band. So they were like, um, like they had Bible inspired lyrics, but they're not like really, they're not a religious band. They're, you know, like a evangelical religious band or whatever you want to call them. But they were kind of the opposite of Venom, sort of. Um, but they're fantastic. Um, they're, they're, um, but anyway, they released, um, their album Psalm nine, um, on March 1st. So album releases in the eighties, as with a lot of things are not necessarily exact. So I have this being released on March the 1st, which is the same day that, um, House of the Cemetery is released in the United States, but it may not have been exactly that day, but it was around that time. Um, and it's one of their better albums and, um, everybody should listen to it, but, uh, there's a song on it called assassin. 
Uh, it's number track two on the album. Um, if you're streaming it, track two on side one. If you're listening to it on the vinyl version, um, that's nice. just incredible. It's not a doom metal song though. It's more like a, it's more of a song of its time. So they were just like a lot of other bands where they, 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 you know, hair metal was huge. So they were trying to incorporate that into their sound a little bit. Yeah. But Assassin is really good. And then it's followed up by the song called Victim of the Insane. That's that's also incredible. But yeah, Psalm 9 by by Trouble was released this week. And we would definitely be listening to this on the Trans Am on the way to see House by the Cemetery. So we're going to get into some trouble. Huh. Oh, While yeah. we're heading our way to the cemetery. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah we got to play some trouble on the way out tonight. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll do some trouble for everybody. Uh, oh, and before I forget, um, so Eric Wagner of Trouble, um, one of the tragic uh, things about the uh, um, many COVID nineteen deaths was Eric Wagner did die of COVID nineteen, wow. um, and he was like an early, uh, a pretty early loss. He died in two thousand twenty. Um, I think he died before the vaccines were available. Um, but yeah, that was really sad. Um, cause I, 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 he was in a, a band, he had in a, he had, he had left trouble, trouble still together with a different singer, but he had started a band called a skull. That's also really good. And I was really looking forward to seeing the skull when uh touring started back up and then we lost Eric Wagner and it's a sad, sad thing. <clears throat> yeah, definitely sad. Yeah. I'm taking a, a, a look at this trouble band. They're great. Um, so there's like this picture where actually it looks like it could have been in this movie house by the cemetery because <laughs> they're by like a like a like a it's like a by like a big uh, door and it looks like a door into like a house or a mansion or something but the the door has grass and trees behind it and grass and trees in front of it uh-huh. and we see they're all like they all have like black um you know, long shirts on and stuff. They all got the frizzy yeah. 80s metal hair. Yep. And I like how they all ha- just have blue jeans on, except for like the guy who's leaning against the door. Yeah, I've, I've got that picture pulled up too. That's the from the Trouble album. But yeah, yeah. you you always find the most like hairsprayed picture of, yes. of these bands that you possibly I like the, find. I like the guy in the but, background yeah. with the glasses on. He's like, yeah, I'm not getting this fucking picture. Just, I'm gonna stay yeah, you can barely see him. He's like hiding in the back. With, he's like, yeah, I'm, it's like, I don't even know these guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then the guy with the fucking, uh, looks like Brian <laughs> Pillman, like that's sitting down um, and crotching with the leather jacket on. Yeah. Brian. Oh, wow. Yeah, he does look like Brian Pillman, doesn't he? So, but yeah, we're about to play some trouble after we get yeah. done over here with the with at the end of the show. Maybe we'll see if I can find a live performance of them too and play it on the Facebook page. Everybody check out the retro Facebook page for all the extras of the show. And yes. and other extras too we'll be putting on there later on as well too when we get that going. Yeah, join the Facebook group and tell us if we make a mistake. Yeah, tell us if we suck. We like we often do. Well the biggest mistake that I usually make, <laughs> which I'm going to be making again here in a second, is probably these fucking names. So I am that's never so good at great. names. Okay, that's a, that should be like a running joke by now. I suck with names, and especially when it comes to Italian names. Oh boy, that's a little mm-hmm. tough. But let's see if yeah. I can get through this. <laughs> so we, we have, go. so we have, you know, we we like to talk a little bit about the production before we get into the actual movie itself, because you know, there's always fun behind the scenes stuff that goes on during these movies so um allison you know i know italian horrors are right up your alley do you have any backstage notes you want to uh tell us about over here or do you want me to read what i got 
Uh, I mean, the only thing I really know about this movie, that I knew it less about this movie than I do the previous two movies that we did, and I'd seen it much later um, than the other two movies. Like, I only own this movie because it came in a double pack um, with the Beyond, and I have I've had that on DVD for probably twenty years, fifteen years or so, um, and it, and they're both in this little pack together. Um, I know that when he made this movie, so this movie uh, to Fulci was not technically a part of the, the trilogy. It's considered a trilogy now. So from what I understand is he did not consider this a continuation of city of the living dead and the beyond, but it's considered like it's, it's considered part of a trilogy now. Um, he also, from what I understand, wanted to make like a tribute movie to HP Lovecraft which I also think is weird because I think it, this is the least Lovecraftian of the three movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but that's that's basically what I know. I know that Dardano Sacchetti wrote it, and he'd written a bunch of movies, a bunch of great Italian movies over the years. Yes. So basically, I guess it was like this. So Fauci claimed that after making The Black Cat and The Beyond that he wanted to make a film in tribute, like you were saying, to H.B. Lovecraft without the film being based on one of his stories, but written has if it, if it existed in his universe. Right. So, man, you can see that a little bit, you know. Uh, I, I, probably, I probably would say, like, you're like, like Beyond in the, uh, the Beyond is probably a little bit more H.P. Lovecraft, because like, I think that one was inspired by his story. Mm-hmm. So the screenwriter, uh, what was his name? Ascanchi? Dardano Sacchetti. Yes. He was inspired by Henry James, The Turn of the Screw. And he also mm, said... Can, what's up? I was going to say, I can definitely see that with the uh, with the uh, the kids. Yes. The, w- the way they use children in it. Yes. And I think in, in the end of the movie, there's also a, 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 a quote from James. Yes, there was a quote from James at the end too, which I was a little confused mm. about, but we'll get into it. So the film is based on his own personal experience as a child being born in a large country house with a large dark basement and at the age of 9 he had come across a cemetery he had across a cemetery at night and so apparently there was some heat all right <laughs> there's some heat going on so in his bi- biography Fulci spoke negative about about Dardano's con- uh, contributions as a screenwriter saying that the house by the cemetery was a basically a rip off of the scenes from the house that screamed so well, I, I could kind of see that, I guess. Yeah. So the film went through several changes from the original story by Elisa um, and the script by uh, Darno. The script was originally titled, oh boy, here we go, La Narette del Inferno, and it translates to The Night Hill. Okay. So there was some arguments between some of the, the script writers and how... Um, uh, how the script was revised by Fulci and uh, Marzino. Have you ever heard of Marzino before? Uh, uh, not a, I'm not familiar with that top of my head. He's probably just another Italian film writer, though, screenwriter. Yeah, so he claimed that he worked as a script doctor, slightly changing work, stating that um, the original script writer, Darnese, what was his name? Dardano. Dardano, script, slightly changing work, stating that it was often too short. So so there's some heat backstage um, at, the, at the movie theater. We have, we have uh, Fulci. 
wanted to make a, a certain type of film, so I guess he hired his scriptwriter to do it. Then he noticed, like, oh, crap, this scriptwriter is writing too much scenes. That reminds me of this other movie. So I'm going to bring this guy in, and I'm going to have him tweak it up a little bit. So it seems to me that they were having some wrestling booking going on over here when it comes to this film. Yeah, some backstage heat. Yes. So the House Brothers Cemetery was shot on location in New York City, Boston, Concord, and Massachusetts. The film was also shot in studios at Rome, like they always do. Probably for more yep. like the uh, slower, gruesome Inside. Scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting the film took eight weeks between, 16, uh, between March 16th and May 1981. The film was made on a budget of approximately six, $600 million Italian. Uh, despite mm-hmm. the credits stating that the special makeup effects were proven by uh, Rossi and Tran, only Tran worked on the film. So... There we go. Interesting. Yes. So yeah, so they so even though he was credited, they he didn't actually uh, uh, actually work on it. So it was only um, Rizio Tarani that that worked on the uh, the, the film. Interesting. Yes. Um, yes. So I, I I was thinking I thought I think I got confused. I was thinking this movie was the one that had Carlo Rambaldi working on the effects, but I think that was beyond. Should be all good. But yeah, I mean, obviously we can see that, um, you know, it's like some of the script and everything got some people changed on it. We see that happen with movies all the time. Like, you know, you go in there with one vision and you just need somebody to help you, like, structure everything. And they want to put their vision on there. And then you're like, ah, I don't know if I like that vision because I don't want to copy it. So let me bring this other guy. And then, you know, sometimes you're going to have too much cooks in the kitchen and it can ruin your film. But I thought this one went out, you know, pretty smoothly. I would say there's not too much like gaps in the story when it comes to this one. Well, no, it's pretty simple. I think I do. Do you not think this is a much simpler story than beyond had? Yes. This, this one is uh, a lot. I think this story was way simpler than both beyond and the city of the living dead. Yeah. Because you know, we'll, we'll get into it, but there's like a, 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 there's a mystery. We find out who the mystery is. We see that what he's doing End story. Okay, that's basically almost how it is. Okay, these yeah, other ones much. have all these like plot holes and stuff. Like you know, <laughs> like we have this end, like what's happening to them and stuff. And so, but yeah, but we'll get into it, everybody. Let's get into the house by the cemetery. say to a widow who finds out her husband butchered his mistress and then took his own life. That's where Peterson hanged himself from that iron rail. You've come. 
However, I told you very clearly. I tried, but my mother wouldn't listen. She said Daddy had to do some research here. You shouldn't have come, Bob. You shouldn't have. project on suicide, where the researcher commits suicide. Don't go inside, whoever you are. Don't go inside! Someone's in here, Mommy! There's someone down there! Get the door open! Where's the axe? Where's the axe? Mom! Keep away from the door! Get my room! Don't worry, Bobby. I'll get you out. Why? Who's there? Who's in this house? Dr. Freudstein! No, Bob. You should have listened to what I said. So we are here. All right, we see a, we see a cemetery. Okay, and then we Is see a the house. Oh. We see a house. <laughs> oh, I get so it. So we're sending it. We're sending it up right, so we know where we got our title. Up, right. Yes. This thing. This this movie is not lying to you. Okay. It we're is not. It is not. We're definitely getting the our our money's worth at the beginning <laughs> scene. So we have this house. It's all lights. It light lights up and stuff. All right. So then we see like this naked girl in here for like two seconds. I was like, man, this movie's starting out hot. And she oh, yeah. is wanting to know where uh, where Steve is. He's like, Steve, where are you? I'm getting dressed and stuff. It's like, I got to get home before I get, um, before I get uh, reassigned again. Or like, uh, or basically get in trouble. So, mm-hmm. and then you know, there's no, there's no, we hear noises going on, and she's like, "Steve, this place is giving me the creeps." You know, Steve, if you, if you don't leave here, I'm gonna. If you don't come out and you know and say where you are, I'm gonna believe. So this girl's asking for Steve all this time, and then eventually she goes into a room. It shuts behind her. We see the dead Steve hanging there. She screams, "Knife in the head!" She's dead. Boom. Starting. Yeah, off. knife in the head by uh, like what looks like a rotted person, kind of. Yes, but the hand is kind of yeah, like it, a hands all fucked up. Yeah. Yes, and then it drags the body inside, and then you know what we get? We get fucking Castlevania three music. Fine. Always. Don't tell me Man, that he's... was not from Castlevania, <laughs> Allison. I refuse to believe you. If anybody tells me it's not, you're lying. 
just the Castlevania soundtrack on the uh, on these Italian horror films. Man, yeah. I love these Italian horror film soundtracks with the organ and the. Yeah, it's just cool and the slow drum beats. What just, I'm gonna do awesome. is I wonder if I can find the Castlevania. It's either gonna be <laughs> the one for. I don't know if it would be the first one for Nintendo, but maybe I'll get like the, I'll find maybe Castlevania 3 or something like that, yeah. and I'll find the soundtrack to it and I'll compare it to this movie. Okay. You should do that. This yeah. soundtrack's very hard to find, by the way, but yeah, you can all, you can always compare it from the, from the, uh, from the, uh, from the movie, I guess. So we see, now we meet Bob. Okay, now this is not the Bobs that we've seen from the other movies before. This is no. a whole new Bob. But I like it how yeah, like almost Bob. every horror movie has to have a Bob. Yeah, yeah especially his Italian ones. Like I'm wondering yeah. if um, I wonder if in the Italian version he had a, an Italian name. Yes. Like maybe I mean we don't know that. Maybe they changed the. Uh, well, I mean he probably didn't because it takes place in America. You know, like I, I know I, I mean this is this may not I may be making this up. This may not be true at all. But I just imagine that they're like, yeah, we need to uh, we need to set this movie in the United States. It takes place in the United States, so we're gonna call our character Bob because yes. it just seems like the most American name. Yes. <laughs> so, because we so are they named him Bob. <laughs> yes, because we are in the United States because we're in New York. Right, right now. we are. So, and yeah. I, I get, I guess, like all the New York names uh, are are we don't have you know Bob is the biggest New York name we could find. Mm-hmm. So Bob is sitting here and he's looking at this picture of a girl in a window. I right. Bob's kind of like this short blonde hair kid. The kid, I I didn't think the the kid looked Italian to me, but I could be wrong. Well, the actor is Italian. Yes. So he's looking at the photo and everything, and the mom comes in. We find out that the mom is going to be named Lucy. She has come mm-hmm. in. She is all like, "Bob, we need you to pack up your ties." It's like if all thing is ties. Pack up your ties, like, like a kid. Like yeah. I, I never had. I mean, I think I might have had a tie as a kid that I had to wear somewhere, but I never had to pack up all my ties when yeah. I was moving. Well, maybe you didn't. Maybe you weren't special like Bob with all his ties. Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe I, I, you know, I didn't have places to wear ties. And they too, brought up. And they brought up ties. Yet he didn't wear a tie once during this. Movie. In the entire movie, right? So he said, "Mommy, why is the girl st- uh, staring at me?" She's like, she's like, what the hell are you talking about? She's like, yeah, the girl in the picture, she's telling me, she's talking to me. She's saying, don't go to the house. Why is she saying that? And then the mom like looks at the photo. She's like, Bob, there's no girl in there. She's like, no, there was a girl in the pic. Oh, maybe she's uh, busy and she went away. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so so the mom, who's played by uh, Katrina McCall, she she can't see the little girl in the picture. Yes. Like we can. Right, okay. Well, no, what happened was, so, so Bob sees the girl in the picture, and the girl's mm. talking to Bob, saying, "You know, don't come in this house." And the mom goes and looks at the picture, and she's not there. So she's like, "There's no girl there." And then Bob's basically like, "Oh, well, maybe she was busy and she left." So what happened was the girl yeah. left the picture. So right, she, right. That's she, what I'm saying. Like, but when we um. Oh well, okay, fine. Um, so when we when we see the picture, though, we see the little girl looking out the window. Mm-hmm. But then when the mom looks at it, she's not there. Yes. And then now, well, Bob's now explanation was anymore. she got busy, so she right. was there, but she got busy, so she had to leave. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, let's move and on. We... <laughs> 
we can go on and on about this damn picture. <laughs> and then she's like basically saying like, you know, I, mom, I didn't mean to uh, uh, lie to you or nothing. I swear she was there. And it's like, okay, whatever. We got to pack up because we're going to be moving here pretty soon. Yeah. And of course we see the girl. Ties. Yes. Pack up more of your ties. We got to get on here. <laughs> um, And then of course we see the girl back in the picture. All right. And now we're, we're in Boston. All right. This is when we meet May. She's just sitting out there staring out in, out in the space, basically. Um, and then this is when, um, and then we have, we hear like a, a background saying, Hey, May, you need to come and come over here. So now we are at the, the New York, uh, history museum. This is when we meet Norman and he is talking to his professor, um, about basically there is this guy named Peter and Peter was doing some research down in Boston to figure out like suicides that I guess were happening around the Boston area. And he was going to write like a whole story about it. But apparently Peter, after he funded his research, got in the right in the middle of his research, he just uh, got up and disappeared and killed himself. So that's what's happened. So now oh, Norman yeah, so. is going to go down there to continue the research. So maybe they, I think they were thinking like Norman and his professor. Um, I think they were thinking that um, that the, the professor, you know, they were thinking like, okay, maybe this guy named Peter got so big into his work that maybe his work killed him. So they were kind of like talking, talking about that back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why he's going to be going down there and he's going to be um, picking up the, the research. Right, so now we have Norman and then we have Lucy and Bob. They're all packing up the car to leave. And they're packing up the car and everything. And then, and then Lucy is like asking a little bit about, you know, like, you know, are you sure you want to go down here and, and, and go down to this place where, um, you know, so go down to this place and we continue this research after what happened to Peter. And he's like, you know, you guys were like friends, right? He's like, well, we, I don't know if we were friends. We were, we were colleagues. It's just like, well, what about, um, what about the, his, his, uh, his wife, um, uh, Shirley, you know, you know, what, what was going on with her during that? And he's like, how, how can I go to his funeral? Peter Norman was going on like, how can I go to his funeral? When we found out that he was screwing around on her, and he killed himself, so we're getting some more backstory of what happened to this Peter guy. Right. So, so we can't go to his funeral because of those things. Yes. Well, he didn't want to because I guess he thought it was too awkward. Norman did. Mm. So. Okay. Planting some seeds as whether either not only is he going down there to continue Peter's work, but he also wants to go down there to investigate what happened with him. In a way. Mm -hmm. So now we have some more of that um, 80s music. Italian 80s music. Yep. While they're driving to their new place. And this is when they're talking about like how the uh, the professor guy that Norman was talking to, how he funded this whole trip. So we have the May girl. She is now looking at a window with mannequins. Very creepy. Okay. 
You got yes. that? You got that? This, yeah, I got that. This whole, yeah, this whole scene's kind of weird, but yeah. So we have Norman, which is license plate is 1961 Kid Car. <laughs> or kind, it's either Kid Car or Kind Car. Pulls yeah. up, and they're in New Whitney, Boston. Um, and then he's like, smell that. So the wife, Lucy, is not too happy of coming here, but he's like, oh, look at that. Smell that country air. It ain't like that New York. <laughs> Boston. <laughs> yeah. Smell that fucking Boston country air. Doesn't smell like that New York rat shit. Mm-mm. So this is when we see a mannequin. Its head falls off. And it's like a it's like a real body. It's like a not a mannequin. It has like real cells and shit in there. Yeah, and blood. Yes. So now they have arrived at the agency to get their keys for their new house that they have now gone into. And this is when they meet the the kind of the realtor lady, Laura. Laura uh, Gittleson. Yep. And so they basically leave Bob in the car. Say, like, Bob, stay here. We're going to go get the keys and everything. And they're inside. And this is when, you know, get the, the Laura, she's basically saying, like, you know, okay, I'm going to get you guys the keys. Let me see if I can find these keys. Um, you know, I'm glad you're moving into the area. We're really going to like it here. And then she's like, hey, uh, Norman, um, you know, I saw that you were here a couple months back ago and stuff. Um, you know, what, what kind of business did you have during here? And Norman's like, I've never been here before in my life. So, th- actually, I did. This is going to be one plot hole in the story, mm-hmm. where apparently a lot of the townsfolk felt that Norman has been there before. So he was here one time to go with or to check on Peter. But Norman doesn't have any recollection of that. He's just like, no, I've never been here before. This is my first time here. All right. And they kind of look at each other, Norman and Lucy, a little weird, and they just go up on their business. So we'll see where that goes. Doesn't she tell them that the house has a different name? Um, They might have, like, oat something. Yeah. I think it's called Oak Mansion or something like yeah. that. That's what she calls it. Yeah. Like Oak yeah. Mansion stuff. Um, let's see. So now they all, uh, basically during this time, um, Bob is, we see that the girl may, she is now talking to Bob and she's like, Hey Bob, uh, this is me, may. I was like, Oh Bob. Yeah. I say, Hey, I'm Bob. Uh, I'm here cause my dad's doing research. She's like, yes, I know your dad was doing research, but why did you come here? Don't go in that house. He's like, I man, I can't. I, I don't want to go in the house, like you said. But my dad's gonna make me. You know how parents are. Yeah, I don't really have a lot of choice. I can't just stay back in yeah. New York City. I'm eight years old. Yes, exactly. I don't really have a lot of choice when it comes to that matter. <laughs> All right. And then, then the the the, uh, the Lucy and Norman leave. They try to look for Bob, but then they eventually find Bob uh, holding a doll. And then, and then uh, Bob's saying, like, hey, I found that girl that was in the photo and everything. She's like, why did you move it stuff? You know, the mom was talking back. She's like, no, she called me over here. That's why. So now uh, uh, Gittleson, the realtor lady, drives him off at the house, says, like, hey, I'm going to find you guys a babysitter. I'm going to send her over and, you know, have fun at your new house. And then she drives over a tombstone saying, damn, tombstone, damn, damn these tombstones. And just damn drives these over tombstones. Them. They seem to be everywhere. 
Yes. And, and then, of course, Norman's like, well, this house is in the, the woods. It's very quiet. And then, of course, the, uh, Lucy's saying, it's like, hey, this, this house looks familiar. Isn't this like the house in that photo that you had on the wall? And then Norman's like, looks around like kind of weird. And it's like, no, it's not. It just, uh, it just it looks like that house in the photo because that's what the houses looked like back in that time. They all just kind of <laughs> look together. Yeah, I thought this scene was really weird because, you know, I mean, they clearly have a picture of that house hanging on their wall. But yes. they seem to not know that it's the same house or how the picture got there or what the picture's of. Like, is it just a random picture of a house? Like, well, no, I don't I understand. Mean, I mean, obviously it was supposed to be like a hint for something, but it didn't really go well, anywhere. Yes, of course. But yeah, but it never, right. It never goes anywhere. But like I was, that that's what I was thinking. I was like, why is this picture on their wall? If, if it's not that house, it's just a random house from the same time period. Yes. No. Yes. So basically that picture was on the wall for May to warn Bob about coming to this house because all she cared uh, about was Bob. She didn't really care about right. anybody else. For right, some so reason. it happens because of plot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. All right. So now Norman, he goes in there, he's turning on the water. Uh, Bob and, and, and uh, the mom are just hanging out. Um, so now uh, Lucy is basically saying like, okay, we should have just stayed in New York. And he's like, oh, come on. You know, like we already planned this like i was gonna do some research you guys are gonna be on vacation she's like do you call this a vacation yeah this house is a shithole yeah and he's like listen <laughs> listen like you know you guys were just like it you just gotta be here for a little bit but guess what like this is gonna be an extra five thousand a year just think of all the stuff we can do it out of our apartment and i was like you can use all that shit on your apartment okay <laughs> that's probably a lot of money back then too yeah i mean you could probably could have got a pretty good house hmm um, and, and then, of course, Lucy stares at the doll. Then she starts freaking out. And then, of course, our boy Norman's like, all right, did you take your pills? She's like, why are you trying to get me to take pills? He's like, well, because it'll calm your nerves. <laughs> she's like, I've heard those pills make me see things. He's like, are you sure you don't want to take them? And then she's like, looks at the room, like, what's in there? How come it's locked up? He's like, if you want me to open it up, I will. It's like this door that's got locked. And she's like, okay, but I just want to sleep in a real bed tonight. So we're seeing, so I don't know if it was you, but like, mm. didn't you get like some hints that like Norman was like hiding something during this whole first yeah. half of the film? Yeah. So to me, th ma this makes me think that, um, uh, you know, when, how we talked about how the movie was rewritten. Yeah. So it makes me think that they left most of the first half and then he rewrote the second half. Yeah. Um, because we have all these these things that are implied, like the thing about Norman Norman hiding something and that kind of thing, about Norman being kind of involved, and they never really explore any of that. It never comes to fruition. Like the second half of the movie just becomes like a real simple plot. And that's that's what makes me think that that's part of that those rewrites that they did. And they just left the first half of the movie and then kind of rewrote the second half maybe yeah because there's a lot of these like 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 a little bit of plot holes going on i didn't think it had this much until we actually go through it so we had this red car stops at this character anna and then we see anna she is the babysitter and apparently anna was the girl who was the dead mannequin yes and which is also weird and not explored exactly so she is now at this house and she's like, she kind of, and then also it was another weird thing is too, 
we kept getting some weird eyeball, like eye shots between Anna and and Norman to make it look like, okay, well, maybe Norman did come down here and he was messing around with his Anna girl. Right. That's what I thought, too. Yes. Um, so uh, didn't the didn't uh, Gittleson, Mrs. Gittleson, tell them she was going to get them a babysitter and that's who Anna is? Yes. Because that's how yeah, she, she sends her, right? Yes. So they knew she was coming. She's like, hey, I'm Anna, the babysitter. But then they started looking at each other weird and shit. Like, there's like, something going on. Like, they knew each other from back then or something. Right. Um. So, during this, the babysitter, um, you know, she introduces herself and everything. Uh, they're out, they're, This is now right nighttime at the house. We hear some creepy footstep. It's Norman. Norman picks up this book. And this book is going to have the last name... Uh... Fraunstein. Fraunstein, yeah. So Fraunstein is like the main character of this pretty much this whole film when it comes to the uh, the house behind it. But it's like it's like this book and it has like a little doesn't it's pretty much empty, it doesn't really have too much stuff in it. Of course we hear some crying around the house. So Norman goes to investigate, thinks it's Bob, because it kind of sounded like Bob, and it wasn't. So then he tucks Bob in, he hears the sound again. Norman walks all throughout the hallway, um, and he keeps hearing the noise, and and then he uh, eventually goes back into the kitchen. He sees Anna, and then Anna is trying to open up the door, like open up the basement door, and he just like stares at her. He's like Anna, and they stare at each other, and he just leaves. So Anna was trying to open up that block blockade door. For some reason, mm-hmm. which we never find out why, <laughs> which we never find out why, but, but yeah, but yeah. So it seems like Anna is completely involved in this. Yes. Um, well, yeah, it just seems like something's missing. Like, sorry. It just seems like something's missing from the plot. that They cut out. Yes. So now we see Norman and Lucy, they're kind of outside. Now this is a whole different scene. They're outside. And Norman's telling, like, hey, you could take the car today if you need to and stuff. And she's like, oh, no, I can't. And then the realtor lady walks by Gittleson. And Lucy tries to say hi, but she just ignores her. So, I don't know why that was there either. <laughs> you know, now that I think about this, I think, like, half the movie, you're right, were written. And then they just totally changed everything up. Yeah. Because we're starting to see a lot of hints here of what might happen. And it just, like, just goes completely off the different rails here in a second. So that's very interesting. Um, let's see. So this is when. Okay, so now now Norman is talking to a guy, or I guess runs the library, and he was talking about like how he's the the new guy. He's gonna be researching what Peter was supposed to be researching and stuff. And then he and then you know they start talking a little bit, and he was like, the the, the library guy's like, hey, you know, wh- why were you here? Um, like last last couple, you know, I don't I don't know if he said last year, or last month, or something. But like, why were you here um, back then? And you really wanted to tell Peter something. <clears throat> what was it that you wanted to tell Peter? You know, like what what was so important that you were out here with you and your daughter? And Norman's like, what are you talking about? Like, I wasn't out here with my daughter, and I didn't. I just my first time I ever been in this town, and I actually have a son. Yeah. And then the guy was like, oh, okay, strange. Oh, well, well, I'm going to leave. Um, by the way, have you met Douglas? Here is Douglas. 
Here's the not Dean Douglas, Daniel Douglas. No, Daniel Douglas. He's also a librarian. Yes, and of course this Douglas guy is a little creepy. He's on the uh, creepy uh, side. And he's going on saying like, "Are you here to finish up Peter's work?" Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I got all these documents and stuff for him. Here's the death certificates. Um, here is the uh, 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 the tombstone records and all this stuff. And Norman's like, well, why did Peter need all this stuff? He's like, I'm not really sure, but he said this is for a private matter. Something he was researching private. Do you happen to know what that is? Norman's like, no. He's like, okay, well, I'll just leave myself out of here so you can get into it. Here you go. And he's about There's to leave. Stuff and, I conveniently and about, have. Yes, and he's about to leave. And then he comes back. He's like, oh, by the way, you know, Peter? Yeah, he fucking hung himself right over there at that beam. It's crazy, huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah, so this guy is like, uh, yeah. Oh, your friend Peter, that guy you're here to replace? Yeah. He hung himself right there. Yeah, strange thing, isn't it? Okay. <clears throat> so now Bob is outside, all right? And he he grabs his car, his little red car he's playing, and he finally sees a grave. Mm-hmm. And this is the grave for Mary Freenstein. Yeah. And this is when May shows up. And she's talking about like, hey, you know, do you know who this is? And, the, and he's like, no. So this is the wife of the of the doctor, Fred Stein. And she's not really dead, by the way. She's not really here. Did you know that? Did she say she's not really dead? Yeah, she said she's not like not here. She's not really in the tomb. She said she's. Oh not, yeah, I do remember um, that. She said she's not really buried here, though. Is what she? What yeah, I she's not she really. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, okay. And then, and then Bob's like, oh, okay, I don't really care. <laughs> like uh, so now that we have Norman, he's now reading papers on this free, uh, Fredstein. Am I saying it like Fredstein? I think it's, isn't it fraud? Fra- sure, that's good enough. Fraudstein. I, I, I would say Fraudstein. I would say Frankenstein, but we can't, we can't get sued. <laughs> right, we get, yeah, we get sued. So they're reading how, how um, Fredstein wasn't really dead. Um, or like, no, well, basically he was like, he's just reading about stuff about him, like about him being like a, a, a scientist and being banned from the town for doing science stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. For, he was banned yeah. from the town for doing basically, science Basically he stuff. was like a scientist, but he, he was also like an, uh, um, uh, he did like obituaries too. So. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he was kind of driven from the town almost like, uh, Frankenstein was driven from the town. Yes. Yes. So the mom finds a hidden door under the rug, and of course it is the it's it's him. It's Fronstein. It's is the uh is Jess Jacob Jess Fronstein's grave, basically. And under she hears a under yeah, right under the house. So she's like opposite kind of worried. Um she hears a bunch of noises, asks for Bob and Anne. Um of course they're not there. And then she eventually hears a bunch of stuff shaking downstairs in the kitchen with some crying. And she eventually freaks out and screams. So we have our first scream freak out mm-hmm. in this scene. And then Norman, he arrives home. Norman looks around. And he, he sees Lucy in the corner crying. And he's just looking. Actually, he like hugs her and looks kind of pissed off. Did you notice that? Like his, uh, yes. He was yeah, like, I so I was thinking, okay. This is at, at this point of the movie. I'll say, okay, so this Norman guy, 
Like he acts like he doesn't know what's going on, but it looks like he does. Or I'm just confused. Like, I mean, maybe he thought like, okay, maybe Lucy didn't take her pills. That's why she's freaking out or something. Because the next scene we see is Lucy, you know, sleeping. There's a bunch of pills laying on her desk, implying that, that she took some or something like that. And remember, remember she said like, if she takes these pills, she might see things. So mm-hmm. she wakes up, yeah. she says hi, and she's feeling better now. And she's uh, she's asking like, "Where's Bob and Ann? They haven't come back yet." I was like, "Well, fuck! How long were they doing?" Right. So Lucy's saying like, "This home is strange. Like she's cool with having the tombs outside, but she doesn't want to. She's not cool about having a tomb inside the house." And yeah, then, and doesn't. Sorry, go ahead. And then Norman was all like, "Is like, well, this ain't New York." We gotta get used to it. That's that's true. Doesn't he also say that that they often that they have, because of the hard winter ground they have indoor tombs sometimes. Yes, and I don't think that's I don't know that that's true. Um, I mean, I'm not an expert in burial practices of New England, but I know I know that some places have above ground tombs. Um, like you can even go to like Charlotte in the old cemeteries and there's like tombs. You Well, you can't go into them, but like you can like they have glass windows and you can look in. And then I'm assuming if you went inside, you could see dead bodies in there that are like a hundred years old, but I'm pretty sure that they don't, they, that they don't bury people inside their houses, like yeah. under, underneath the cellar. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that doesn't happen. Well, apparently our boy, uh, uh, Fronstein does. So apparently, well, we'll find some things out about Fronstein though. Yes. So now Norman's like, listen, I found this key. Let's finally open up this basement door. Okay. So they do that. They they try to get the thing off. They uh, they try to open up with the key. Um, he has to get a knife to kind of open it up. This is when Ann and Bob shows up. Bob's all saying like, hey, I got a girlfriend. I talked to her all outside and stuff. I'm so happy now. And then Lucy's all like, and did you see any girl that he was talking to? She's like, no, I didn't. She's like, we're with you with him all day. She's like, yes. And of course, like, Anne's like looking all like weird and nervous. And then we keep doing the same eye thing between Anne mm-hmm. and Anne and fucking uh, Norman, like they're sleeping together or something, or they're hiding a secret. Right. So up in this part of the movie, what I thought was happening was that he had been there before, and that he was somehow involved with Anne, and like he was involved with all of the stuff that was going on. That's yes. what that's where I'm at in this movie right now. Yes, same here. Like, and he's trying to drive his wife crazy or make her kill herself to get rid of her. That's what I'm thinking at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it kind of like that's where the plot is like seeing where it's going. Right. Like he's in on it. Apparently he had a daughter before. Maybe the daughter might have been Anne or something and then the 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 Bob and Lucy didn't know about Anne or something. And so, like, maybe he was related, maybe to these Fronsteins, weird people or something. Maybe they're, like, their son or something. And he was trying to bring people to lore to his dad to get, you know, more bodies or something. Like, something maybe. like that now. But that, I just came up with that uh, off the top of my head. There was, I feel like it was going. But we'll mm-hmm. see what happens. So, Norman opens the cellar, goes in there, walks down. Um, see, he's just looking around stuff and... He eventually sees a bat, and a bat that starts attacking him. Or actually, like he he hears like some stuff ringing stuff, and then he's getting a, he gets freaked out by a bat. And then Lucy comes down there. Then now Lucy gets attacked by the bat on her head. And then Norman just like after she gets attacked, it's kind of funny. He just stares at her. 
like just looked at her for a couple minutes saying and then he eventually grabs the bat and the bat starts biting his ass and then we he starts killing this bat and blood gets everywhere especially over bob yeah i thought he was going to cut his hand off because he couldn't get the bat off of his hands i thought he was going to cut his hand off and get the bat away but he just stabs the bat yes so now they are back at the uh uh at the 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 office the, the leasing office Mm-hmm. And they want to call back Miss Gittison's because they want to find a new house. Um, and then, um, so, and like the guy who, it was like her assistant or some other realtor guy, he was just yelling the whole time saying, yeah, yeah, I'll get, I'll get a hold of her so you can talk to her. And then eventually he does talk to her. He's like, hey, you know, those, those, that freaking house, that Fronstein house, we always have so much trouble with them. I knew they were going to come back here and, and try to get away with it. You can try to dress it up as this oak mansion. Uh, you can't put a name on a bad product. Mm-hmm. And she's all like, okay, you know, maybe I'll go talk to him and see if I can go calm him down. So now we have that character, May. She is in a, a doll room. All right. And then we hear a voice saying, why were you looking out the window? She was like, well, I was just trying to see the, the dollhouse. She's like, you can't see it from there. Here, we need you to get ready for bed. Okay. And then she kept saying in her head, or, or out loud, it's like, don't go inside. Don't go inside. Okay. So we have um, the realtor lady, Miss Gitterson, mm-hmm. or Gittleson, shows up, calls for everyone. Like, where's everybody at? Then she starts hearing some noises. She looks around everything. She see, you know, she's trying to call up everybody, like Lucy and Norman. I guess nobody's home. And eventually, she trips and falls onto the tomb. The tomb kind of like falls and grabs her ankle. And this is when we see the the creature with mm-hmm. the with the pipe. He grabs one of those like uh, pipes from the fire fire um, the fire pit. Uh, yeah, it's a fire like a fireplace poker. Yeah, yeah, fireplace poker. And he fucking pokes her. In the belly and eventually in the chest, and there goes our our realtor lady. She's gone. So now they, yeah, now she that can't they can't be rehoused because of uh, the realtor's dead. Yes, which is kind of weird. So now this scene's a little different, right? So now we have Norman who acts like he wants to move. Yes. Whereas if you thought that if before when we thought Norman was on, you would think that he would try and convince Lucy to stay in the house. Exactly. Now, like the plots are starting to change, like it's starting to the characters are starting to be different now than they used to be. Yes, and they never ask where this uh, realtor lady went as well. No, she just disappears out of the movie. Well, that's that's a typical Italian thing, though. I think like once this character is no longer needed, they'll be killed and they'll disappear out of this movie, and we'll never talk about them again. Yes. So this is the next morning. I guess uh, the body's been disposed of or whatever. So next yeah. morning, Anne Anna's cleaning up this mess and Lucy asked like, Hey, what are you doing stuff? She's like, I make coffee. That's what Ann said. She's like, Oh, uh, you didn't come to the restaurant with us. She's quiet. She's like, Oh, I'm guessing your parents were glad that you paid them a visit. Anna's still quiet. She's like, do you live far from here? Anna's still quiet. And then, uh, so Anna also has a face where she looks high. And mm-hmm. so now we're thinking, okay, this Anna girls, something is going on with her. She's obviously cleaning up these dead bodies. Maybe she's in on it. Maybe. And then, and then now this is when Lucy goes up. She gives coffee to Norman, saying like, "Hey, that Anna girl is kind of weird. Like, I can't get a good read on her. She's not like, I don't know if she likes me." And she's like, "Hey, what's so interesting, Norman?" She's like, "Peterson. 
he was looking up this guy, Fraunstein, and this Fraunstein was a scientist doing weird autopsies on everybody. I have to get to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he's saying, like, this had nothing to do with his original research, but he was, uh, he was obsessed with this. Yeah. And then he's like, listen, Lucy, I have to go back to New York. And I have <laughs> to go tell the doctor that Peter was, his research and stuff got on hold because of this new research he was doing. And I think this would led to his death. So I need to go all the way back to New York. I can't call him. I can't do a telegraph. I can't do anything. I have to physically yes. go all the way back there and tell them in person that I need to do this. Okay. Yes, we have we have to drive all the way back to New York City. We can't call them on the phone yes. or anything like that. <laughs> yes, because you know you gotta stay here and and get and this be crazy alone house. in this house. Yes. <laughs> I was like, okay. So and she's like, obviously, she doesn't want him to do that. Um. So now this is a weird scene. So now Norman is at the library. So I guess he didn't go to New York. So now he's at the library, um, and so he's doing his research, and then that Douglas guy shows up. Like, oh, you're here. He's like, and then he looks at Douglas like he's like in on it or something. He's all like, Douglas was all like, oh, I didn't expect you to be here. You know, part of my job uh, working this library is I come every Sunday, and <laughs> I and I check to every hall. But it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I won't disturb you anymore, sir. Yeah, because this is just a random thing that I do. Every Sunday I come and look through every hall for some reason. I'm, but I'm not going to explain why. It's just part of my job yes. for me to do, I guess. And by the way, I'm in on it. But I'm not going <laughs> to tell you what's happening. <laughs> I'm just going to leave very slowly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Please lock up before you leave. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like, I won't get in your way. <laughs> so Bob uh, Bob is now running and playing games at May. And I don't know who that did the fucking dub for this May, because I could barely hear what she says half the time. Yeah, it's not it's not the greatest for sure. So Bob wants he has to go inside because he's like, listen, I gotta go inside. My mom and stuff, she she I was supposed to be in my room right now, but I snuck out here to play with you and stuff. And of course Mayor's like, Don't go, don't go back inside. Don't go back inside. He's like, I gotta go back mm-hmm. inside. I'll just be there for a little bit. I'll sneak out later. Damn, girl. Yeah, he wants her to. She she wants him to stay outside. Well, she's trying to protect him. Yeah, obviously, but but she she thinks she wants him just to stay outside the house all the time. Yes, all day, like, every day. Camp out or whatever. Yeah. And Bob's willing to do it, but he just needs to go back there for a little bit. Right. Norman finds a cassette. And oh boy, here we go. Here we go. I'm pretty sure this is when the plot changed. Because now on this cassette, we have Peter's voice. Mm-hmm. Which, like, was Peter supposed to be the guy at the beginning of the film? I don't think so, because they, that guy kept calling out Steve. Yeah, so I don't think so. I think that, I don't know why we had that scene. To be, the scene at the beginning of the movie, the only reason we have that is so that we know that people get killed in this house. Gotcha. Like, I, th- I, I think, like, I would think that a better opening scene would have been the scene where Peter hangs himself. Yeah. So we can, but we for some reason we have these two people. Yeah, we have these two people that are trying to make out in this house, and then they get killed by uh, something. So on this tape, Peter is like freaking out. He's like, "I haven't slept 
uh, in months and stuff. Um, I can't do anything. The sign, it's like, and then like the videotape stops and everything. So he has to like turn it way up. Mm-hmm. So the signs, they warned, the signs were warning me about this Fronstein, the crying, the, the, but the smells, it draws me in. The house, that house and its smells and the blood was drawing me in. At least it was turning them on too. I was like, damn, okay. All right. It says, how how many wandered through this house, and but it lures me, the blood turns me on and frightens me. Um, His voice, Frostine, I can hear his voice. His voice, blood. His blood and his voice. I hear it everywhere. So that's the whole tape. And then Norma's like, oh, there's, there's something's going on at this house, isn't there? Mm. No. Yeah. No, no kidding. That was a good rep- uh, rendition of that, too. Oh, you like that? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> so while, while this is taped and everything's going on, we also see a bunch of dead body parts all around. And, of course, we get Peter. No, not the children. Not the children. <laughs> yes. And then uh, we, we see Bob, another scene, playing with some of his car toys. And then Norman, he fucking, fucking flips this tape out. You see how fine? He was like, bam, that tape just flipped right, right in his hand. I was like, man, it must have mm-hmm. been like an 80s thing. Yep. And then this is weird, too. Mm-hmm. So Norman burns the tape. Right. So I was going to ask you about that. So, wh- so okay, so now we're starting. So that so that when he burned the tape, it made me think that he was still in on it. Exactly. Now it's because he's covering up the evidence of whatever happened to Peter. Yeah. But then other parts of the movie at this point made me think that he's not in on it. So I don't know. I'm confused at this point. I, I am too because it's like okay, did he burn the tape for it not to get out or? Uh, I thought he was trying to investigate this. Like, why didn't he keep right. that for his records and his investigation? Right. There's no reason. The, the, him burning the tape doesn't make any sense. The only thing I mean, the only thing I think of movie-wise is that it's supposed to show how freaked out he was about the tape that he burned it. But yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. As far as the rest of the movie. Well, goes. then this is where too. So he goes to his car and he leaves. Mary May looks on. Mm-hmm. We're giving him the stink eye. Um. Yeah. This like is like she's one, seen him before. Yeah. And then Anna goes upstairs while Bob is playing with his cars. Lucy's out getting groceries at the uh, 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 stop and shop. What original name? The 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 stop and shop. The Stop and Shop. And Stop and Shop, they also have their own brand names, too. We'll get to that. Nice. So she sees she sees Norman. She just says, Norman. And he drives off, and then she walks very slowly to him. So I'm like, okay, what's going on here with this? So uh, Anna's hearing the crying up in the, you know, the, the ba- Bob is doing his car, you know, his car, and eventually the car is missing, and he's looking for his car. And, um... The car looks like it's going to the basement because the basement door is open. So then we cut to see Anna asking for Bob, and she eventually goes down. She hears the crying. It sounds like Bob. So she goes down to the basement, and she's all the way down to the basement. The door locks behind her, and then we have a knife shows up. But the, the hand actually looked pretty like a normal hand, just with a knife shows up. Mm-hmm. And she... She is uh, now she she got the door blocked behind her. She sees a knife and she starts freaking out. She starts asking for Bob to open up the door. And then Bob's upstairs. He grabs like a toy gun, saying, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go save Anna." <laughs> yeah. I was like, "What the fuck?" 
And then he, uh, um, and then this is eventually where Anna gets cut in the throat with a knife. So mm-hmm. Allison and everybody out here, what was the point of her character? Um, well, that was going to be my question too. Like her, well, her point is to look creepy and to look like she and the doctor or her, her and Norman have something going on. But at this point, we clearly know that's probably not the case. Um, because she just kind of dis- she just gets killed and disappears out of the movie for no reason at all. The only thing I can think of is all these things are supposed to be like red herrings and are supposed to be like you know making us look the other the other way from, from what we find out actually is the end of the mystery. Yeah. But it it also just seems like they just had wrote two different movies and put the endings together. Well, um, the only thing I could think of was okay. We saw Anne has a mannequin. So I thought that Mary, I thought maybe, okay, maybe the Mary, not Mary, maybe the May character. Yeah. She, what she did was she, maybe she like created this Anne character to be uh, a rescuer for Bob. You know what I mean? Try to be like a, like a little like creature that she can actually go inside the house and maybe look over Bob. But it didn't work because she died. Mm -hmm. Well, well maybe, but I mean, we don't see anything like that anywhere else in the movie. And I don't know why she like was looking she, at... She animated the mannequin or whatever? Yeah, I think she might have... Maybe she animated the mannequin to be Bob's rescuer or something? I don't know. Mm. Or what it no, could be... I think... It could be is that we've had different souls come to this house before, and maybe they kind of like linger around or something. And they just keep dying over again. I mean, maybe, but at this point, you've written more of this movie than the people who wrote the movie. Wrote. Yes, yes, um, more background. Yes, but uh, like it's, it's, I was just thinking that the scene, the mannequin scene, the mannequin that looked like Anna and that got decapitated, and then you see the blood run out of it. Mm-hmm. That was just a like May f- f- seeing the future or whatever. Oh, okay, the foreshadowing. Got kind of yeah, because that's what happened to Anna was that she got her head, she got her head chopped off. Well, then why the was Anna looking at Norman future. weird the whole time? Well, that's never explained. We have no idea why that's happening. Because okay. up until this part of the movie, we think Norman's been here before, right? Yes. And that he was there, and that he, he you know, something's going on with with May, and that uh, you know, maybe May is actually his kid or something, or I don't know. Yeah. But um, you know, and then Anna's involved, and then everybody's involved, and I don't know. But then, but now, but see, at this point, now we're starting to think that he's not involved. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's kind of confusing. It's way more confusing than um, I thought it would be. Yes. Once we dig, take a deep dive in this, it's a little tough. So Bob goes downstairs now all right, looking for Anne. And eventually he gets uh, locked in and then the, the door, the, the Anna's head rolls down. And we see like this little cat eye. And then he starts freaking out. Um, he starts banging on the door and stuff. And eventually the, the mom, um, Lucy, comes home. And he, he hears him like screaming and everything. Um, she she put down her groceries from the shop uh, from the stop and shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she eventually sees Bob over there crying in the corner. So Bob, like he got out of the basement. He was about to get stuck in there, but he got out. And he sees, and then of course you know Lucy's like, "Hey, what's happened to you, Bob?" And everything. She's like, "Oh, Anna, I saw her head down down there in the basement." And she's like, what the hell's going down in the basement? Let's go check this out. <laughs> so they go down to the basement. They don't see any the Nana's head anywhere. And 
Lucy's like, you really scared me there for a second, Bomb. And it's like, Bomb's like, no, I swear it was there. I swear it was there. But it wasn't. And then we see those yellow cat eyes. Mm-hmm. So, so now Norman is in the cemetery. And he talks to the tear caker in the cemetery. And the, the tear caker was like, what are you doing here? We're closed. He's like, I come here to see it, man. Come here to see that Fronstein grave. He's like, you too? You another one? He's like, this kind of reminds me of like probably the New Orleans grave. He's like, man, I come here to see all these graves. He's like, oh God, not another one. Yeah. So, which which yeah. we assume Peter had been there before, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's probably saying, or he said like a. Uh, uh, it's, it, 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 it seems like there's been a couple people who's, who's trying to yeah. find this grave, and he's all like. I mean, where's the grave at? It's like, listen, man, that Fronstein guy's not buried here. He's like, well, the records show that he is. He's like, screw those records. They're not right. I know he's not They're buried not right. here. And by the way, can you leave? We're closed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now Lucy puts um, Bob to bed. He drinks milk from the shop and save. Mm, Nothing. From the okay. shop and save milk. Yes. Brand milk. Yes. See, they even got their own branding in here. There you go. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Lucy was saying, oh, don't worry about it. And she probably just went back to uh, her parents and stuff. You know, she'll be back here soon. Uh, Bob, they, oh, go ahead. As I was saying, they don't ever seem to be worried that their babysitter just left and left their kid there by himself. Yes, no. Yeah, she of course, just, they left him in the car when they went to get the <laughs> key for this. <laughs> yeah. So maybe they don't care. Well, the only person that cares about Bob is May. That, that's how it goes right. in this film. Right, yeah, yeah. And of course, uh, she tells you go to sleep, and then Bob's there, and he shakes his head. So now Bob goes all the way down to the basement to investigate on his own about this Anna deadhead hanging around. <laughs> and then he goes downstairs. He's like, Anna, you hear Anna? Mom says you're not dead. Is that true? <laughs> and then right when he says that, the door locks right behind him. And then we see those cat eyes showing up everywhere. And then Bob starts banging on the door because he's in danger now. Yep. And Bob's scared. Lucy hears him and stuff, tries to open the door. She tries to use the key. She tries to use that knife with the key like Norman did, but that knife breaks off. The key breaks off and the knife breaks off. So she can't do anything. Yes. And it's amazing during, how that all happened. Yes. And then during this, we have the, uh, the creature trying to crawl up and grab Bob. Norman shows up. He's all like... Where's Bob? We gotta get out of here. He's like, he's like Bob's in the, the basement. He's freaking out right now. It's like, okay, well, stand back. I'm gonna get this axe, and I'll tell you what's happening later. And then he starts chopping the door, and of course, the demon has like the Bob's head near the door. So like, we keep seeing that the the dad's gonna chop off his face <laughs> and stuff, but he doesn't. Yeah, that and, was that was a pretty cool scene, actually. Yes. And then during this, even though he's gonna tell her later, he's saying it was Fronstein. Uh, Frosty's the one that killed Shelly and killed all these people and stuff. He, he he's a, uh, uh, it's he's like he's like this guy who was doing all these experiments and this stuff all the, around here during the whole time. Mm-hmm. And eventually, um, he keeps chopping at the door to try to get Bob in. Bob eventually falls down, and this is when Bob wakes up and uh, Norman's still trying to break in. And uh, we see, we see Frankenstein as now we see him because we kept seeing his hand and stuff during some time, but now we see his mm-hmm. body. 
which yeah. kind of looked like something from Silent Hill. Looked really good. Kind of, yeah. I thought the, I thought the design of the character looked really good. That could that could make a really good action figure. Yes. And we see we see the two dead bodies that happened from the beginning scene, and this is when we get May. She was screaming for because Bob's in danger. Um, this this is down. We have um, finally Norman and Shelley. Uh, they sneak. They get in after the uh, Fronstein has been stalking Bob. Um, so Norman says it was Fre- uh, uh, Friedstein killing everybody. He needs sales from all his victims that he lures in here to reincarnate himself. Kind of like in that Hellraiser plot line. That guy needed yeah, dead bodies. To- so we have... Okay, so... But how, how do we uh, know this, though? Yes. So we know this because Norman read some research that Peter did, even though he burnt it all to for no reason... He went to the cemetery and he figured out Fronstein is not at the cemetery. He's buried, I guess, at his house or not dead at all. And now he is putting all this together while being very secretive and not having anything to do about him coming back here in the past or anything like that at all. Right. So now, okay, so to, we. So now, well, s- since he burnt the tape, I guess, yes. from then on, we we have Norman's face turn. So Norman seemed like a heel at first. Yes. But now now he's a now he's a total baby face. So now he's trying to save everybody, even though he seemed like he was kind of involved in all this before somehow. Yes. But 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 it's it still it it doesn't like it's never really explained. I mean, I, I assume he just read in his in in Peter Peterson's notes what was going on, right? But I, I don't know. It just seems like this real like pat solution to this like oh well this is what he's doing yeah you know what i mean like it just it just kind of comes out of nowhere like how he all of a sudden knows what the um experiments were to, yes. you know to stay alive yeah like nobody even tells him he's not dead all everybody just says he's not buried here yes so you know that, what i mean like so, the, yes. yeah so somehow yeah. i guess from the tape and all this stuff he figured out that Fronstein is alive okay so we somehow. can we can get that he's alive but how did he come to the conclusion that he needs these dead bodies to reincarnate himself? Right. So. Yeah. I mean, it. I mean, unless that was written in some kind of Peterson's, some of Peterson's notes that we never see. Yes. I, yeah. It's just like it doesn't make any sense at all why this is happening or why we know this is happening. Yeah. And then after this, so they fight, right? So we have Norman. He fights with Fronstein. Right. And fucking, uh, he stabs him with a knife, and we see some chocolate maggots fall out of him. Yeah, it was gross. All right, we see, you know we got to have maggots and and pouring <laughs> shit and all these Italian films. Fine, yeah. And then he just fucking Frosty just grabs Norman by the throat and kills him. Yep. So, what was the whole plot line of him coming down here before with his daughter? What? what? That, yeah, it has nothing to do, as far as I can tell. And now yeah. maybe this will be like a um, mountaintop motel massacre type thing where. Yes. There'll be somebody who's a huge fan of this movie and will explain it to us idiots who don't understand it. But like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, there, there's no nothing that's happening now seems to have anything to do with yes. what happened in the first hour of this movie. Yes. Like, 
Okay, so so we're led to believe by a two two townspeople, maybe even three townspeople yeah. that Norma's been here before with right. a daughter. We don't yes. know who the fucking daughter is at all. Nothing, but Norman right. has only been here with his family. He claims. Yeah. We have Anna looking at Norman like he'd done something wrong. The whole family. or that she knows him, or she knows him, but yeah. that goes nowhere. Right. We have Norman burning evidence that he could possibly use to uncover this mystery, because right. I, maybe and to, and to prove it to other people, to prove it to other people, and maybe get the police involved. But he wants right. to cover it up for some reason. Right. But then he goes down there to, to rescue his family that you don't know if he cares about or not, and then he gets right. his throat ripped off and he's dead. Yeah. But it also gets more confusing after this too. Yes. <laughs> so after this, uh, Lucy, she notices yeah. that there's a little hole in the wall. So she grabs Bob to go up there in the stairs, and they're trying to break into the. It's basically where the tomb was at, that right. that, that the 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 realtor's leg went through. So they're trying to break through it. Trying to break through it takes forever. Uh, Frostine walks up there slowly. Eventually, grabs um, Lucy and drags her very slowly. By the way, down the <laughs> stairs like this shit. I the, the stairs didn't look that much, but then but then when she grabbed her down, it took like five minutes for her to get down the stairs, <laughs> and then she's dead. Right from from stairs, from stairs. Yeah. So Bob sees all this, freaks out. I guess I guess um, Fraudstein gets very tired after he kills somebody because he had to take a little rest for a bit. Well, I mean, he does need the you know. I mean, he is like a hundred years old. Yes. And he needs the sales. So Bob tries to break through to the tomb. He can't. It takes him forever to try to get his head out and everything. He gets grabbed by Fronstein, but eventually gets out. And once he gets out, May is there saying, Oh, Bob. No, first of all, when Bob gets out, he just sees May. He's like, Oh, May, hey, what's up? Like, he's well, doesn't May pull him out of the tomb? Yeah, I think something like helps I think, him push I think it. May helps him get out. Yeah, yes. or something like that. Yeah. And then May's there. Then we see then we see the mom in the background saying, like, oh May, there you go now. You you rescued Bob. Now we can start acting again as a as a uh 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 and we can go back to the uh, the house to rest up. And then they both just like walk off. Yes. And then like then we get like after they're walking off and stuff, um, they you can see them walk off in like the the distance. We see the house over there, um, and then it says. Well, then we have a quote. We'll go ahead. No, I was gonna say they all walk away. Yeah, they all walk away. Bob walks away with with Mrs. Fraudstein and May. Yes. Yeah, and then we have a quote that I don't know well, what the fuck this had to do with the film at all. But it said, "No one will ever, uh, no one will ever know whether children are monsters, or monsters are children." Yeah, Henry James. <laughs> and I was like, "Right, what which the I, fuck I, does I, that to do with?" So anything? I researched this. I researched this because um, I've read a, a couple of Henry James books. I've read Turn of the Screw years ago, um, and I am pretty sure this is not a real quote. I cannot find this Henry James quote in anything. Now, not that I read his entire like you know bibliography, but I, I am pretty sure this is a made up quote from Henry James. I have never, I could not find this. But the thing is, it doesn't really make sense. Like, right? What, what right, kid exactly. was the fucking monster? May tried to help out Bob the whole time. Did she do all this or something? 
Right. The only consistent thing in the whole movie is that I knew May was a ghost. Yeah, but like, like I knew May was a ghost the entire time. But like it, like they're they're the children aren't monsters and the monsters aren't children. I, I you know, I mean, maybe I'm looking at it too, like um, you know, line level or whatever. But yeah. like it doesn't. I, I, I don't fucking know. I mean, if Bob had it had turned out to be involved and was like you know causing Fraudstein to come back or whatever, then okay, maybe that would have made sense. But it it. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand this at all, especially this ending. Yes. I mean, and Bob also doesn't die, but apparently he's now a ghost. Yes. So maybe what it was, was at the beginning, May used reverse psychology on Bob saying, don't come to this house. But why does that matter anyway? Because Bob doesn't make those decisions. He's only like five years old or six. Right, right. He's not the decision maker in this uh, coming to the house thing. Like, yeah, her telling him not to come to the house doesn't make any sense. And like, Bob was like barely even warning his parents. He's like, yeah, we shouldn't go to this house, but like, fuck, I can't do anything about it. We're going to go anyway. (laughs) Like, right. Yeah. And there was nobody warning Norman. There was nobody warning Lucy. They uncovered all this stuff by themselves. Mm-hmm. And it just makes it look like this May character was there to help Bob for some reason. Like, what was so special about Bob? Well, I so I took that as that he's a kid and she's a kid and she can relate to him. So she's trying to save him because she could nobody could save her. So she's trying to save him. Because I assume that Fraudstein killed his wife and his daughter. Well, to is prolong is his Norman life. supposed to be Fraudstein? Uh, I I don't think so. Then what the fuck was he doing there a year ago? Well, apparently he wasn't there a year ago. Okay, so maybe the people are just seeing him. <laughs> I, I don't know. None of that makes any sense. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like the whole thing of him being there a year ago doesn't make any sense. Because by the end of the movie, it seems like he clearly wasn't there a year ago. Cause then he all of a sudden tries to save his family, which he acts like he's trying to like, you know, get his wife to either kill herself or go crazy. Because what okay, so what I thought was going to happen, what I thought was happening when I watched the first half of the movie, was that he had been there a year ago to set up something, right? Mm-hmm. And then he ends up getting sent up there. Maybe he killed Peterson. Who knows? And then he gets up sent up there to to um, continue Peterson's work. And then he's in. He has an affair with Anna. And then what he's trying to do is either get is to get his wife to kill herself or go crazy so he can divorce her and then he can be with Anna. But then the end of the movie doesn't seem like that at all. And Anna has nothing to do with the ending of the movie. She could not even be in the movie and it wouldn't make any difference. Yeah. Like yeah. there's no plot point of in Anna of Anna that has any bearing on the plot of the movie. I mean the only thing I could Think she was just there to babysit Bob, I guess. But she doesn't even do that because she runs off. Remember, she disappears. Yes. Well, America, she got her head cut off. Well, she got killed. Yeah, she got killed. Right. Um, but I. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like it's it it doesn't it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense at all. Like there's no the plot doesn't make any sense. Well, um, a lot of the stuff looked good though. I'd say like it the, looked. It looked really good. Yeah, Bronstein's um, body I mean, looked good. The death looks good. So that's all we can ask for. Sometimes, I guess. 
Yeah, like I know that it was kind of influenced by Henry James' Turn of the Screw, which is a story, if I remember correctly, about um, like this woman who gets sent to this old house and um, there there might be ghosts in it or she thinks there are ghosts in it and then she kind of goes crazy and then there are ghosts and um, but I don't I don't know like I'm I'm like I'm even more confused now than I was when I watched the movie the first time. <laughs> yeah, buddy, that's what the retro <laughs> blood does. Let's get everybody confused on here. But that ends our Hellfire month with a very confusing style movie. But you know, very fun one. I thought it was other than some uh, plot holes that I didn't realize they were there until we actually went through it. I thought it was actually pretty good. Um, you know. It's always good to see Ital- Italians always have a, a special way of how they present plot plot lines and how they slow things down and stuff like that. So yes, so definitely from we'll have to come back one of these days and do a couple more Italian films. But that will end up the Hellfire Month here on the Retro Blood. Uh, we have all kinds of stuff we explored. We ex- we explored the Cenobite layers. We explored Dunwich. We explored the Beyond. And now we are hanging out by this house of, house of uh, confusion here. And by the house by the cemetery here on the Retro Blood. But everybody, up next, it's going to be August. And me and Allison were thinking, all right, it's August. You know what I mean? We're almost to Halloween. It's still summertime. It's still hot out here. What is a good subject to talk about in August? Why don't we just do traditional slashers? Yeah, why not? Because it's hot outside. We're we're gonna be indoors. We're gonna be outdoors. We're gonna have some maniacs chase us down. Let's get it going. And our up next for the first uh, slasher month of August is gonna be Edge of the Axe, brother. Edge of the Axe. Hopefully, this movie is better. Yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see if our boy the Axe Man can. Uh, <laughs> can uh, do some good plots for us over here on the retro blood but do you have anything you want to end hellfire month with allison out there for everybody you know, i mean other than saying that uh you know Ful- lucio fulci is a great filmmaker and you should watch his movies maybe skip this one well you should watch it just to see how like ludicrous and insane it is but yeah watch the beyond and watch the hellraiser movies well the first two anyway and watch uh watch uh city of the living dead and um, we'll be back next month with Slashers. Yeah, buddy. Slashers. So, Austin, what song by um, Trouble are you going to be listening to today? Uh, listen to everybody out with Victim of the Insane. Oh, Victim of the Insane. Just like our boy Norman was. Exactly. He it's was perfect, perfect for this movie. Perfect for this movie. Our boy Norman was... A victim of Peter's insaneness, even though he burned the tapes and yeah. got killed at the end. It didn't really make sense at all. But yes, he was gone insane because he heard Frodstein's blood steps tears. Everybody. And I am a, I am a victim of this insane plot. Yes. Yes, right. <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll check you later here on the Retro Blood. <laughs> See you guys next week. <laughs>